Good morning. Good morning. Our title today, I'm just going to get straight into it because of time constraints. Uh, it's quite simple. What are we trained for? So today we're going to talk to you. We're going to share a story with you. It's a true story, something that happened to Dave and I. And we're going to talk about how we've, we've been reminded of this experience recently. We want to share what we've learned from it how it relates to where we are as a church right now, and how each and every one of us fits into it. But there's one key thing I want you to remember throughout this whole message, is the importance of humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So I'm just going to ask you to keep that scripture in mind throughout everything we say. So this story, we're going back 18 years ago now, or just over. Uh, Me and Dave had just got married, and we were off on our honeymoon. And we wanted a bit of an adventure. We wanted something a bit different. Most of the honeymoon was just a nice, chilled back, laid back holiday to recover from all the planning and preparation that had gone in beforehand. But we just wanted one, like, really special memory that was going to stand out to us. It was a bit of an adventure. So we decided we were going to go scuba diving. <laughs> um, but we couldn't just go scuba diving. We couldn't just walk into a shop and say, can I borrow some equipment? I'm going to go out in the ocean. We didn't have a boat. We didn't have anything. So Pastor Tony talked recently about need versus need and lack. So we had to look at what were we lacking. Why couldn't we just go out and do it? We didn't have a license. You, nobody will lend you any scuba di- diving equipment if you don't have a license, if you don't have the qualifications. We didn't have a boat. We didn't have any equipment. We didn't have any qualifications or any endorsements from anywhere. We couldn't just do this. So what did we do? We went and found someone who could help us. We booked an excursion, and this included a full morning of training, uh, transportation to the boat. It included a boat. It included all the equipment. It included professionals who were going to lead us, professionals who were going to check all our equipment for us. We weren't going to be responsible for making sure that it wasn't faulty. They would do it. So we decided that this was probably a better idea. So... Before we could even do any training, we were taken to this training pool. It was all done in a secure, safe place. It was a small swimming pool, but we couldn't even get in the pool straight away. First of all, the instructor had us all line up along the side whilst he showed us every piece of equipment. He showed us everything we were going to use. He showed us how to use it all, what to do if it it wasn't working. But we hadn't got in the pool at this point. We were just having pre-training training so this part of training is quite key because you need to know what all the equipment is and what it does and so in church when we when new christians come in there are things that they don't know that we need to tell them you know we need to tell them what prophecy is what the holy spirit is you know as a new christian if someone walked in now and said i've literally just given my my life to jesus and we said okay, well, you start prophesying and then um, speak in tongues. They'll be like, what do you mean? You know, what? So this pre-training is very important. But not just for 
new Christians, but older Christians as well. There's always new revelation coming. There's always new things to learn. And we have to be open to not just knowing what they are, but then going into training. But there's that first part of someone telling you, this is what it is. This is what it can do. So I know Pastor Tony said it a few times when he's been to Malaysia and Jonathan Davies been speaking on the order of Melchizedek. I think he said it was like three years, two or three years or something. Four years. Four years. When he first went, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, so he had to go and do the training and find out, okay, this is what it is. So that initial pre-training is very important. Then we got to the actual training. Then we were allowed to get in the swimming pool. We were given our own equipment. We'd been told what it was, but now we were given it. Now we had to work it. We had to know how to use it. So we got in this swimming pool. And as I said before, we're in a swimming pool. It's shallow water. It's a safe environment. We weren't... No one demonstrated this equipment to us, then gave it us and said, right, you can go now. We were put in a safe, contained, limited environment. Like I said, the water was shallow. Any problems, you literally just stood up. It, the water was like here at one end of the pool. So we then got in the pool. We went underwater and we had to adjust to this new way of breathing. You think, I've been breathing all my life. Just get under the water. This thing's going to do it for me. It doesn't. It feels completely different. It feels really alien and weird. So we had to have some time to adjust to it. We had time to get used to it and to, to just feel comfortable with it. So like I said, it was a bit weird, but so far, so good. I could breathe underwater. It was all right. Then we went through various different parts of training. Then we hit a snag, or I did, where we were told that you need to know what to do if your mask leaks. Now, I was terrified of water near my nose, so I was told you have to push your mask back a bit, let water in, and then we're going like, to show you how to clear your mask so that if there's water leaking in, you know how to get it out. I didn't like this. Didn't like this one little bit. I had a massive fear of water going up my nose or near my nose. So as soon as I let the water in, there was an involuntary reaction. I stood up, took my mask off. This happened in like less than a few seconds. I was terrified. I was uncomfortable. And it was an automatic response to this discomfort and this fear. And this fear had come from, I realised later on, when I was younger, my brother had held me underwater in a pool too long. I mean, it was nothing malicious. I had two older brothers. We were mucking around. He held me under too long, and I was spluttering. And ever since then, I couldn't cope with water anywhere near my nose. But I had to learn this. So we tried it a couple of times. Every time I stood up, and the guy's like, you can't go anywhere until you do this. So there was about, I think there was two other people who were struggling with it, so they took us to one side. Dave and all the other guys carried on with their training. I was taken to one side. Now, if you know me at all, not only do I have a fear of water, I have a fear of failure and looking stupid. So I'm taken to one side. It's like, oh, everyone's going to know I can't do it. I look an idiot. They're, what is everyone thinking of me? I hated that almost as much as the water. Making it worse, the other two guys who were taken with me, they got it like that. And they went back off, and it was just me and the instructor. And I was miserable. Hated every moment of it. I thought, no one's going to want me in this group anyway. No one's going to want me to tag along. 
So I tried to bargain with the guy, <laughs> reached this point, it's like, it's not working, I can't do it. It's like, this mask isn't leaking, it doesn't leak, just let me have this one when we go out into the water and it won't matter. But the guy said to me, no, it don't work that way. There is a different pressure under the water than the under deeper water than there is here. That mass doesn't leak now, but you don't know what's going to happen when you go to the bottom of the ocean. You have to be prepared for every eventuality, and it's irresponsible of us to let you go out until we know you can handle what's going to come or what may come. So I had to be prepared for everything. Otherwise, it was potentially dangerous for me, but also dangerous for those around me. If I'm in the bottom of the ocean and I suddenly start panicking, it's a potential risk to those other people who are with me as well. Now, as I said, I wasn't allowed out into the open water until they were confident I could handle everything that might come my way. This is the same in the church. Training and thorough training is vital before you can go anywhere. Now, don't get me wrong, you can go out into the world. You can do that. No one's going to stop you. You're not chained into the church. You can go. But there's a difference between going and being sent. When you go, you represent yourself. When you are sent, you represent the one who sends you. Now, God is not going to send you anywhere until you're fully trained. Neither are the eldership of the church. They're not going to send you out to represent the Dream Center if they don't know that you are fully trained and ready for what's going to come. Now, we talked before about remembering humility. Humility is a key in everything. You cannot despise this training. You can't be too embarrassed to be taken to one side like I was. You can't be too embarrassed to do that. You can't hide your weaknesses for fear of what other people might think of you. And you also can't look down on other people. Don't make it harder for someone else to ask for help. If you find something easy, it doesn't mean someone else does. So don't make it difficult. I mean, do you want to be out in the field and find that the person next to you, the person who's fighting alongside you, hasn't been trained properly because you made them feel stupid asking for help? So I don't. And I don't want to be out there knowing that I'm putting someone else at risk. So we said about the safe environment. The church is your safe environment. You have the covering of the eldership. And if you don't take advantage of this safe environment you're going to be a risk and a danger when you go out into the world to yourself, to those around you, and to the mission. So I want to get back to the story, our story. Eventually, I did it. I managed to clear my mask. I don't think I did it particularly well, but I managed to. Through perseverance, I got there. But I still hated every moment. I was still uncomfortable. Then we were sent off for lunch. We were told, go for some lunch. Come back in the afternoon. We're going to go out into the ocean. I hated it. I was miserable. And I cried. And I said to Dave, I'm not going. I don't want to go back. You go. You enjoy it. I don't care. Have a nice time. I'm not going. So that was her experience. So my experience of the morning was that Okay, we've got all this equipment, and I listened because I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go deep underwater here. I need to know what all this equipment does. I need to understand what to do if something goes wrong. So I get in the water, and everything's fine. I can do everything. I can claim a mask under the water. I can change mouthpieces and all that sort of stuff, all, everything that you need to do and be trained for before you can be sent out. But 
I knew that this training was important. And even though I managed to pick it up pretty quick, in the back of my mind, it was still like, okay, I need to listen because this training could save my life. You know, I'm going out into this water. If I don't diligently listen, not be, I didn't, I, you know, I can't be arrogant. I can't be thinking, oh, I know it all. It's, it's easy, this stuff. I just put the thing in, jump down, and you're done. So it's important that you, um, when you are doing training, that you are diligent in listening to what you're being taught. And don't always assume that you know everything because they could just just throw something in there. You think, oh, I didn't know that. And what if that had happened when I go out? So my confidence was quite high in the swimming pool. I could do everything. Um, but it was a safe environment because you're in a swimming pool and you know, well, if something does go wrong, I can just stand up. I can just go to the side and get out. But I had confidence that I was thinking, well, I've done it. I've gone under the water. And it is weird breathing under the water. But you get over that and you think, oh, it's quite, it's quite good, this. And you do all that. And so my confidence was quite high. Whereas, obviously, Lisa, her confidence was being knocked. And um, it's funny how sometimes we don't pay too much attention to the training that's being given. Um, because we're being fed it in church. You know, it's every Sunday we're being fed. We've got authentic sonship. We've got discipleship training. And we can become a bit blasé. And we can get a bit, oh, it's only this person preaching this morning. I think I'll switch off. Or, you know, we can get into that position. But we need to always be diligent in what's being taught and what training we're receiving. Because the training that we receive from the house when we go out could save your life. Just like the scuba diving training could save your life on a practical level, the spiritual training that you get could save your life when you go out. So it's important that we diligently listen to all the training that we're being given. Because in here, it's a safe environment. We've got the walls around us. We can just stand up if we wanted to. It's when we go out there that if we've not done the training properly in here, that's where it'll matter. So, as the training session went on, I could see Lisa was struggling. Um, I, you know, I saw her being taken off to one side, but you know, I was doing my own thing because I wanted to make sure I knew what to do if something went wrong. Um, but because of my confidence, even though I wasn't one of the trainers or I wasn't one of the leaders, I tried to help her because I'd learn how to do it and I could do it and I could encourage her. I could try and build her confidence up. I could let her know what technique I'd used or how I had how I'd taken it on board. And it's the same in church. You know, there's going to be people around us who might be struggling. And every now and again, we need to look up and look around to see, is anyone else struggling? You know, I knew Lisa was struggling because there was a lot of splashing and she kept standing up and all this stuff's going off. So we need to look around and look, is there anyone else in trouble? Is anyone else splashing about? We need to always have that um, thought in the back of our mind to think, okay, does someone else need help? Does someone else 
just need a bit of a boost? Are they lacking in confidence? So the morning session finishes. We go back to our hotel, have some lunch, and Lisa's like, I am not going back. There is no way. Fear had gripped her. The fear of something happening under the water had gripped her and that she would panic underwater. But for me, having all the training, I thought, I can do it because I've had the training and I know I diligently listened. I know I took everything on board. I know I wasn't arrogant in thinking I know it all. You know, I made sure of that because while I'm not a really cautious person, I do feel, okay, this is important here. I need to make sure I listen. So I had the confidence. So I'm trying to encourage her. Um, you know, telling her the chances of something happening are so remote. All this sort of stuff. And it'll be a missed opportunity. It's something we want to do together. You know, a little bit of yeah, emotional blackmail. But at the same time, I was thinking, well, I don't want to miss out on doing this. I don't want to miss out. This was something that I thought, oh, I'm quite looking forward to this. Plus, we just paid about 100 quid to do it. So I'm thinking, you know, we've invested resources into doing this. We've invested our time into doing it. We don't want to waste that by just doing half of it and then not bothering doing the actual stuff that you're being trained to do. So, but I wasn't going to go without her because this was something that, obviously, we'd only just got married. We um, wanted to do something together and do, do this new adventure together. So I wasn't going to go without her. But if I hadn't pushed her to do it, we wouldn't have gone. Because if I'd have just said, okay, you know, we won't go, you, you, know, you win, we'll uh, stay here, um, we wouldn't have bothered going. And so we all need that bit of encouragement sometimes. We all need someone to say, look, you know, it'll be all right. But also you need someone to say, look, man up. It's not, it's all right. Don't be a dipstick. It'll be fine. <laughs> but the, we've all, so we, we invested our resource and we invested time. So we've wasted half, you know, half a day doing this training if we weren't going to go back and we'd wasted all the money. Um, and so when things get, when you invest in something, when things get hard, if you haven't invested much, it's easy to just give up and step back. So if this training had cost us £5, I'd have been more inclined to think, do you know what, let's not go today. We can always do it again tomorrow and we'll just pay another £5 and we'll do, we'll do it again because you might regret it this afternoon or whatever. So, but we'd invested all this money and time. It's like, no, we need to do this because we've invested. And like in people in the church, when, if you've invested into the church, where the church is going, how much you have invested will determine how long you stick to the course. And when it gets difficult, will you still be around? Will you still um, follow what the leaders are saying? Will you still do what God wants you to do going forward? And so the more you invest, the more you are invested in it. And so it's more difficult to come out. So if you're not invested in where the church is going, when things get tough, it'll be easy for you to just walk away and just go to the church down the road that will sing three songs and do a 20-minute service every week. So it's that investment um, that will determine how difficult it is to get out, but then what the reward will be afterwards will be greater. 
So I think you get the point that Dave didn't let me give up. Somehow, he convinced me to give it a go. Somehow, he managed to get me back to this training pool. Somehow, he managed to get me on that boat. But I was still a bit stressed. I was still a bit terrified. I was still a bit uncertain. Then, some idiot on the boat said, what do we do if we see a shark? <laughs> That's it. I'm not going. Not doing it. I'm not getting in the water. I'm not getting out of this boat. Not a chance. But I didn't tell Dave this time because I'd already learned if I tell him I'm not going, he makes me do it. So I'm not telling him. Kept it quiet. I'll play along with this as long as I need to. Back out at the last second. But I'm not getting out of this boat. Yeah, it didn't quite work that way. Uh, I'd planned to let Dave go first. And then once he's in the water and enjoying himself, I was just like, nah, I'm not doing it. See you later. Sit back, enjoy the sun. But then I found I was in the water. It's like, hang on a minute, how long am I going to play along with this for before I finally tell him I'm not doing it? Dave was still on the boat. And I thought, well, whilst I'm waiting for Dave to get in, I'll just, I'll just see what my mask is like. Stuck my head underwater. Oh, it's actually, it's not leaking. Maybe it's going to be all right. Maybe I'll just go down a little bit and see what happens. So you've got to descend slowly. So you let out a little bit of pressure, go down a little bit, say, like, oh. It's all right, this, actually. It's not quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, my fear started to disappear a little bit. It just started to get a glimpse of what this might be like. It might not be as bad as I expected. Maybe I should go down a little bit more. So I did. It's like, yeah, it's quite good, this. I quite like the sensation of being out in the open water. Things are quite interesting, and as you look around, there's things to distract you. In the swimming pool, there was nothing going on. It was just water. Out in the ocean, it's like, oh, look, fish has just swum by. Um, we're in the Caribbean Sea. It's not like goldfish or the sort of fish you're going to find in the canal. These are proper fish. These are interesting fish. These are massive, and they're beautiful. So I was a bit distracted. That sort of took my attention away from my fear a little bit. And I realised that in the enclosed space of the pool, my fears seemed everything. But out in the open water, they didn't seem quite as big. And this adventure, this spirit of adventure took over me a little bit. It's like, the fear of what might happen didn't seem quite so big in the excitement of what actually was happening. So, like I said, I was quite enjoying it. Next thing you know, I've totally forgotten everything that I was worried about. I'm at the front of the group leading everyone. No, but we need to go and see this and we need to go and see this. And I wanted to experience every part of it. And I'd forgotten all of the things that were holding me back. So I said before that my fear had come from my brother holding me underwater. Now, there's times that our fear that is determining what we do is all related to previous experience. It's related to something that happened once a long time ago. I was about eight when it had happened. I was now an adult and it was still limiting me, still controlling me. We sang that song this morning, Fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There are so many scriptures you can use. Phil used one of them, perfect love casts out all fear. If we carry on that scripture that I read at the beginning, it says, cast all your anxiety onto him for he cares for you. But there was a scripture that stood out to us, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, because this speaks of our action and our attitude required in order to overcome fear. 
it says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So we have to speak out. When that fear is gripping you, you have to speak out the truth and you have to declare it with confidence in the one who is going to see you through. Confidence in the one who is always by your side. So from my point of view, we're on the boat and I'm just glad Lisa's got on the boat at this point. So I'm thinking, well, if she's going to chicken out at the last minute now, at least she's had a nice boat ride and I can still go in the water because she's there and she can sort of experience it with me. So I'm just glad she's there. So we get on the boat and we set off and we're starting to look at all our equipment and check it all and all that sort of stuff. And we're going out and further, further out. And you look back and the land is disappearing in the distance. And then we come to a stop. It's like, right, okay, this is the point. Now you look around and all you can see is vast open water. So we've got all our stuff on, all our gear. But I thought nerves are starting to happen a bit now because we're in this open, you know, the the ocean's massive. I don't know if you've ever been in the ocean. It's massive. Um, And my stomach's going a little bit, but I'm thinking, it's all right. I've done the training. I know what to do. I've got all the right equipment. If something happens, there are people around and I've learned how to deal with certain emergencies. So we get to the, we come to a stop and then what happens is everyone gets out one at a time and you go in the line and then you, you go down in the spot. So I send Lisa in first, making sure she's getting in. Um, so she swims off and I sort of follow her and I'm swimming to the point where we go down and I get to the point it's like, okay, now's the time to go down. So I put my head under, straight back up. So I was, you know, I can't, I can't do this now. I'm in the open water. I could do it in the swimming pool, but I can't do it now. So I try again. It's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So this, then the person behind me is coming now to where you're supposed to go down. So I let this person pass. And I'm still just sort of frozen thinking, what am I going to do? I need to get back to the boat. And then the instructor comes over and he says, you know, what, what's the problem? I said, I can't do it. I'm going to get back in the boat. He says, well, let's just, you know, let's just take a minute. You've come this far. You know, you're going to need to do it now because everyone else is down there. I'm coming down. You know, all the instructors are down. So I say, okay. So the, I think the vastness of the ocean knocked my confidence and fear started to creep in about this ocean's big, what, you know, it's bigger than the swimming pool. I've not got four walls anymore. I can't stand up. I can't just swim to the edge and get out. There's no steps. And that's what made me panic. So Lisa's already gone at this point. She's down. And I'm the one that's on the surface thinking, I'm not going to do it. I'm going back to the boat. And all the training I'd had, all that confidence I'd had in the morning, had now gone. And we can be like that in church. We can diligently listen to all the training. We can have the confidence in these four walls. And then we go out and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't do this now. All the confidence goes. You forget all the training you've had. And we don't know what to do. And it's that fear that grips us again. So you can have fear inside before you do the training, but even if you've had all the training and you've diligently listened, 
you can still go out and fear can still get you. So the instructor said to me, you know, you've got to do it. Um, I'm going to come with you. We'll do it together. I'm going to hold on to you and we'll go down together. Okay, let's do that. So we start going and we go down a bit slowly and a bit more and a bit more. And then eventually I managed to be able to join the group. But I had this guy with me the whole time. He wouldn't let go. Because I'd had this sort of mini panic attack, he now had to stay with me the whole time under the water because just in case I had panicked again. So I had this buddy. I just want to show you a picture. That's me and my buddy. So this guy wouldn't let go. You see his arm on my back? He had that on me the whole time we were down there. Even after half an hour and I knew I could do it and I'd not had any issues, this guy wouldn't let go of me because I'd had that, that fear that had, had taken over. They, the instructor wanted to make sure that that fear wouldn't come back. And when we go out from church, God will put someone unexpected to help us when we need it. Because if we've been sent, then it's part of God's plan. God knows where you're going to be. He knows what time you'll be there. He knows what you'll need at that time. And so he will make sure there is someone there. He will make sure there is someone who can guide you or give you something you need or open that door that you might need. You may never know who they are. I, don't even, I can't remember this guy's name. Never met him before. Didn't meet him again afterwards. But at that point, he was the person that helped me get to where I needed to be. So you might, but you might not even meet the person that helps you. Someone else might put an application form onto the top of a pile because God wants you to have that job. Someone else might allow you to do something, move something out of the way so you can go through. There's people out there who, um, might, who you might not see. Okay. In the interest of time, we will skip on. So we... Um, so once we'd done all the scuba diving, it was all okay. You know, so Lisa had the fear in the morning in the safety of the pool. I had the fear when we went out. But there are times when, even though we've gone out, we still need to come back into the swimming pool to have more training. The training that we did was only level one. We could only go so far down. So you always, even though you might have been sent, you always need to come back because there's always more training you can do. There's always more things you can learn. And just because we go out of the church doesn't mean to say we are the finished article. We always need to come back into the church to learn new things, to um, have more training. You know, it's a time to pass on your experience of being out there to other people who might just be doing the training you've just been doing. Ephesians 4, 14 says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It's no good just getting any old training. False training can mean you are led into false waters, into the wrong waters where the dangers lie. 
and there's no shortcuts are being prepared. But there's one thing we need in both environments. When we're in the swimming pool and when we're out in the ocean, we needed oxygen. When you go under the water, you need oxygen. Whether you're in the pool or whether you're in the big ocean, you need your oxygen tank full. The Word of God, Holy Spirit, Christ in us, that's our oxygen that we need both in the church and when we go out. If we go, we can be fully trained in the church and think, okay, my oxygen tank is full, I'm going to go out. You've got a full oxygen tank, so you might last a year, you might last two weeks. You can use the oxygen you've got. However, if you don't keep coming back, if you don't take the Holy Spirit with you, that oxygen will go and you'll be on your own and you're not going to be able to do anything. So within the church, there are those who are confident inside in the safe environment, but panic when they are sent out. But there are others who struggle with training. They seem to take forever to get anything, but then they go out and they excel. In one sense, this is okay. It doesn't matter. It's all right if some things take you a little longer to get. And it's okay if you don't feel super confident in every situation. However, you must identify your strengths and weaknesses. It's important that we don't hide our weaknesses due to fear, embarrassment or pride. We need to identify our weaknesses and then we need to ask for help. We need to take them to God. But we also, there are also times when we need to take them to the leadership and say, you know, I'm struggling in this area. Can you... Give me some more training. Can you provide someone who can help me to develop in this area? Because it, we said before, if we hide our weaknesses, these are going to be our vulnerable spots on the battlefield. These are going to be the things that cause harm to us, to others, and to the church. But if we accept our weaknesses, if we find where they are and we accept the help, we accept the development, then they can be dealt with. We also need to know our strengths. We need to work with one another so that we can all contribute from our strength. That we can encourage others. That we can remember, and we've got to remember to stay humble. Just because you're good in one area doesn't mean you're better than someone who's struggling. There are times when you're going to need help, but there are also times when you can provide help. And you won't accept help and you won't be able to help others from a place of arrogance. You've got to remain humble. So what are we training for? The training is vital. Whether you like it or not, whether you enjoy it or not, whether you feel comfortable in it or not, you have to go through it and you have to do it with humility. However, the point of the training is to go out. It's not to stay here. You can have the best training in the world, but if you never go anywhere, it's a waste of time. If you always remain in training, the only thing that is ever achieved is the people who like it feel good. And that's not the point of it. Jesus trained his disciples, but then he sent them out. And he sent them out in twos. He made sure they had a buddy. We are being trained and sent out to fish. But there are no fish in the swimming pool. They're out there. I just want to read one scripture. I thought Z might have read it this morning because it's Isaiah 54. But it's verse 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. 
for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in the desolate cities. Now, if we don't go out, we're not extending our territory. We're not taking new ground. We're not achieving anything. We are just simply redecorating what we already have. Thank you. Well, that's definitely the heartbeat of the church. It's where we're at. Do you know, the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, sorry, 11 and 12, it was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To prepare. To prepare God's people. God's people for works of service. That's why God gave you a leader. That's why God gives us leaders. He doesn't give you a preacher. He gives you a leader who can prepare. Now, not all, not all, unfortunately, not all pastors can train. They should be able to, but not all are gifted to train. This one can. Hello, this one can. It's one of the graces God's given us is, uh, is to prepare the people for works of services so that the body of Christ may be built up until, there's that word, until, we all reach the unity of the faith. And we become, so unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Some of you just want knowledge, just want training for knowledge. Knowledge is the benefit of your training. It's not the purpose of our training. Knowledge is part of what we do. But it's not the sum total. A lot of people have knowledge but do nothing with it. So the issue is, is do you have the ability, the, the, the skills to go out and apply what you're being taught? And, uh, you know, our church is changing. Our church is changing. And uh, you're saying yes, but you don't know why. But uh, in the next couple of weeks, you'll see why. But in, in, in regards to what Dave and Lisa shared this morning, this year in ADT, we have a I keep challenging the students and encouraging the students. We have this saying, it says, brave it out. Brave it out. Now, brave it out is, I'm not going to tell you what it means, because you'd have to come on ADT to see it. Right? I'm just telling you, they don't know what brave it out is yet, because as they're going through this, we are encouraging them to brave it out, brave out your fears, Brave it out because there's so many things. Fear grips every one of us. As Lisa said, the swimming pool. Now, most of us think, why would you fear the swimming pool? But every, you know, anyone who's learned to swim has had fear in the swimming pool. And if you can break the fear of the swimming pool, the ocean's easy. But, you know, just like Dave says, you know, I've been, in fact, I was with you and, and Phil. We were in the Ch- South China Sea once. And I was on one of those banana boats with Phil and, and Chris after being in Malaysia. And I fell off. You know, as you do, the whole idea is to try and get you to hit the bumpy waters and throw somebody off. Well, I went off, and there I am in the middle of the, the, middle of the, uh, the ocean. The, and these, I all hear it, these just say, leave him, leave him. And the first thing I thought was, shark. What the hell do I do if a shark, you can't run. You can't run, you can't outswim him. You pray. <laughs> just hope that he doesn't like flesh that day. And... Uh, but you have to brave your fear, don't you? And that wasn't, that wasn't a time when I started quoting Psalms. That wasn't a time. 
That wasn't the time. I just thought, calm yourself down, have a word with yourself, sort yourself out. Because if you can sort yourself out, it is well with my soul. And uh, then I saw the boat turning around and thought, oh, they're coming for me. And all I can hear is these two, leave him, leave him. Covenant brothers here. But brave it out. Now, if we're going to go out these doors, if we're going to go out these doors, church, and we're going to engage with the community, you will go and you will have to talk to people and you'll have to brave it out. You'll have to face your fear and um, courage will have to come upon you. Why does the Bible keep telling you, be, be strong and courageous? Why? Because he's telling you because he knows the fear you have. And then he says to Joshua, not only just be courageous, then he says, be very courageous. So there's one more in there. Be very courageous. So very courageous is more than courageous. Right? So, church, this is where, we're, this is where we are. And so that word this morning was, was put on point for us as a house, for those who have been in ADT, for those who are going through ADT, and for those who will go through ADT. This is our opportunity to re-disciple the whole church. To get us out because that's where, you know, we, we shine best outside. We taste better outside. We do. And uh, some of you, your finest moments are still not, have not come, but they will come upon you. So let's stand to our feet. What was that scripture you read out at first? One Peter, what was it? Which was? Yeah, just, have you got it with you? Saves me finding it. Oh, go on, keep, you find it. You get it first. Where's it at? In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Amen. That you, that you, he may lift you up in due time. So come on, humble yourself before the Father. Thank you. Humble yourself before the Father this morning. Come on, raise those hands if you will. The most unproductive person on in the church is the one who hears the word and does nothing with it. That's the most unproductive person in the kingdom. The Bible says actually that's wicked and lazy and they're not fit for the service of the kingdom. Now, many of us have fallen into that bracket from time to time. But that's not our destiny. To be unfit, to be lazy, to be wicked and considered not good enough for the kingdom is not our portion. Amen? So, Father, I'm praying for a spirit of humility to come upon the house. Father, let it fall on me rather than you have to... Take me through trials and tribulations so I come to this point. Let the spirit of humility fall upon my life. Come on, ask the Lord. Let the spirit of humility come upon you this day. Let it grace this house. Let there be willingness. Let walls come down. Let, let fears melt away. Let struggles come to an end. And let the spirit of humility Come upon your people, O oh God. Lead us as a people. Lead us as a body. Lead us as a group, O oh God. Add to our number. But don't add to our number, O oh God, so we can sit and listen. But add to our number to strengthen what we don't have. To push us into the areas that we need to go. Father, bring people to us, O oh God, who will bring us to that next point.
Father, we don't want people just to sit on their blessed assurance. Father, we need workers. Proactive people. Humble people. Trained soldiers. Oh, Father, let this be the cry of everyone's heart. In Jesus' name. You know, it's been a strong day in the house of the Lord today. Come on, let's just give the Lord a standing ovation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, I love our church. I love our church. And uh, Phil says he's glad. But I love it because not because you're all here. I love it because what God's put inside of you. For what God's put inside of you. I love the fact that the nations, more and more nations are coming here. But you know what? Our colour must never speak for us. This house, our colour will never ever speak. Why? Because colour is not our issue. We are many races with different faces. Amen. We are becoming one body. Colour should never ever speak. But you know, we will never have to speak of colour, but let others outside see, hey, isn't it wonderful that there's many nations here? And let this be a testimony, because God's house is a house for all nations. Amen. Not for all colours. It's a house of many nations. You represent a nation where you came from, not a colour. You're bigger than a colour. I'm not white. Look at me in pink. Right? I go, on, I go to the sun, and what do I want? I want to become brown. Yeah? So, colour can never be our issue. Let, let's become nations. And let all the nations become one in the house of God. Amen? Lord bless you. Lord bless you.